A woman unstuck in reality struggles to make sense of her new place in a world that no longer recognizes her. The cause of her malady is unknown, but she is gonna figure it out. We're playing Michelle Nicolaisen's Unplaced, right here on Radio Drama Revival. Hey folks, welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of modern audio fiction. I'm your host, David Reinstrom. It's April Fool's Day tomorrow, but also Easter, so I feel like those holidays kind of cancel each other out. Chag Sameach to my fellow celebrants of Passover, and a joyous Ostara to those of you celebrating the vernal equinox. Now, to our feature. Unplaced is a new indie series by Michelle Nicolaisen, a writer and freelancer in Austin, Texas. And I think it has a lot to say about the feeling of being unrecognizable, of finding yourself outside of boundaries and binaries, and not knowing how to deal with that feeling. But it's also literally about a supernatural mystery where a woman becomes invisible and imperceptible to everyone around her, so you can enjoy it on that level, too. We're going to play the first three episodes of Unplaced today, so let's get started. Here's episode one, Occult. Unplaced, Chapter 1. Occult. I don't know if I'm dead or losing it or what the hell, but I am definitely not okay with it. I guess I should start at the beginning. I woke up this morning and it was like every other day. Hit snooze a few times, wolfed down some oatmeal, rushed out the door, give a shy little head nod to the cute neighbor on the way out. The usual. Of course, she couldn't be more oblivious to my existence, but I probably have bigger things to worry about right now anyways. I got on the subway, made it just in time. It was packed, the usual morning rush. I swear I've never had my toes stepped on more in my life. That probably should have been my first clue something was up. Everyone hates public transportation, and nobody wants to talk during our shared misery, so it's not like awkward silence is a new thing. But when you get stepped on six times in five minutes, and no one, not just the stepper, but no one around you acknowledges your excuse me's, or your ows, or your general existence, something is a little off. Of course, I didn't think anything of it at the time, just that there were more assholes per capita than usual today. I suffered through the obnoxious subway ride and heaved a sigh of relief when I was finally out of that tin can and back on the street. By this point, I was running a little late, which meant I was speed walking down the sidewalk like an over-caffeinated soccer mom. Caught the door closing behind someone else into my office building. Got past the badge checker, dealt with more awkward silence and lack of personal space during the endless elevator ride, and finally I was there. Only three minutes late. But but something wasn't right. By this point, the, the frazzled, shit, I'm gonna be late feeling was wearing off, which meant I was a little bit more aware of my surroundings, and even in my relatively small office... Nobody was was making eye contact, just saying hi, or anything. Granted, I'm not about to win any popularity awards here, but, you know, people say hi. My first thought was that word of layoffs had come down from the head honchos, but everybody was talking to each other. There wasn't an eerie silence over the entire office or anything. People were just ignoring me. 
My next thought was that my recent work had been found wanting, and then that the news had made it around and it was just the standard passive-aggressive office politics results. Either way, whatever. As far as I could tell, there was nothing I can do about it now. Except for get my nose back to the godforsaken grindstone. I went back to my desk and that douchebag from marketing is standing directly in front of it. Josh, James, something like that. Very aware that I might be standing on thin ice right now. I, I tried to be polite to him, even though he's one of those guys who thinks he's always entitled to everyone's time and energy. Excuse me, I said, and he just keeps talking. Um, I need to get to my desk, so if you could just... And this motherfucker just kept talking. He was acting like he hadn't heard a word I said, rambling on about the KPI reports or whatever to Carol, like he thought it would get him laid. Even though everyone in the office could tell him that the chances of that are so far gone that lost cause doesn't even begin to describe it. By this point, I was fed up with everything and just trying my best to not completely lose it. I opened my mouth to say something more strongly worded than excuse me while he's prattling on without pause. And then he said, your buddy isn't here yet, huh? And gestured to my chair. Carol, completely uninterested in this entire ordeal, glances at my desk for a split second before she replied, Nope, guess she's out sick or something, and continued typing away. At this point, I finally lost it and shouted, You idiots, I'm standing right here! My voice echoed off the crappy ceiling tiles and around the cubicles, but nobody did a damn thing. I sighed and pinched my nose and said slightly calmer this time, Okay, if this is an April Fool's joke, it's the best one ever, but it's actually way late, and I have work to do, so can we give up on this stupid prank? <sighs> and nobody does anything, and this is the point where it starts to sink in that something is actually wrong. Nobody has that good of a poker face, especially not Carol. The woman can't even tell a not-not joke without diddling at her own punchline. I, I reached out and grabbed her shoulder and gave it a shake, and she does nothing. She moved. I could grab her and move her. This wasn't a moaning myrtle situation where I passed through her, but it was like she had no realization that her body was moving. She just kept typing away, not missing a beat, and the douchebag from marketing is still, still rambling on. And I, I backed away from them, trying not to trip over my own feet in panic, and ran towards the office door. I, I stopped at the front desk to wave my hand in front of our receptionist and shouted in his face, and it didn't, and it didn't make a difference. The phone conversation. He was so engrossed and continued on without interruption or acknowledgement, and I, I barely made it out of the building before I went to full-fledged panic attack mode right there on the sidewalk. We're talking, hyperventilating, sobbing, talking to myself on my hands and knees on the cold sidewalk. The whole time, strangers parted around me like a rock in a river. Nobody walked on me, nobody gave me a solid foot of space, but nobody saw or heard or acknowledged me either, and after a while I cried myself out and the black tunnel vision started to fade and my, my breathing evened out. And, and I just... I somehow made my way back here, and the trip home was kind of a blur, I'm not exactly sure how I did it. 
you know, that space after you have an epic meltdown where you're just kind of, kind of numb and you feel like you watched everything happening from a spot just above your shoulders? That same thing happened when my grandpa died. It was completely unexpected. I answered the phone with no idea what I was about to hear, and my mom asked me if I was okay three times before she let me hang up because I wasn't crying. I just, I, I just went blank. Of, of course, once I hung up the phone, I sobbed for the next hour, but after that, the rest of the day, I was just in that weird space in between panic attack and daily life, where you have a buffer that you didn't want or ask for, and you might as well just be walking around encased in styrofoam for all you can see or hear or think. Anyways, it, I guess it's not really relevant. The point being, I made it back home okay, and I still don't know what's going on. I don't even know where to start. I'm, I'm still here. I can still touch and smell and move things. It's just that nobody else can see that, and I don't know why. What do you doodle for this? Why am I invisible? <laughs> okay, you got me. I did try that. It's all metaphorical essays about social anxiety and bad poetry and fedora-wearing dudes about not getting laid. No, dude, I mean, I'm, I'm actually invisible, not just to the girl I wish would notice me. To everyone. There's no WebMD symptom entry for, I'm not incorporeal, but I might as well be as far as anyone else is concerned. I tried calling my mom. That was before the fruitless doodling. The phone went to voicemail right away. When I left a barely not-sobbing message, the machine kept telling me there was an error. That robotic voice with the same inflection every time, repeating over and over, I'm sorry, your message did not be delivered. Please hang up or press pound to try again. I got through three tries before I threw my phone at the couch and collapsed on top of it. <sighs> what do you do after that? The internet has no answers, and neither does my mom, apparently. That's a situation I'm completely unprepared for. And, I don't know, my first thought, well, well, fourth or sixth or tenth thought after everything else, was that somebody needs to hear this story. I have to document this somehow, and if I stay semi-scientific about it, maybe that'll keep the panic at bay. Like that old anxiety drill. Name the five things you can see, and four things you can hear, three things you can smell, and, and so on. Keep myself grounded so I have a better chance of survival, yeah? And I'm not a writer. Not by a long shot. So I picked up my phone, which was fine despite the temper tantrum, thankfully, and started recording, and here we are. I have no idea what I'm going to do with this recording when it's done. Based on my experiences so far, I'm not even sure anyone will be able to hear it, but... But the recording still seems to be going, and that's the little heartbeat-style line going up and down and up and down, so at least my phone can hear me. <laughs> if only Siri could give me some answers. Hey, Siri, tell me why I'm literally fucking invisible. Can you do that for me? Sometimes I feel invisible too, but sometimes I feel too visible. <laughs> Oh my god, not not really, Siri, stop. <sighs> Anyways, that leaves us, just you and me, potentially non-existent listeners. 
I'll try and record another update soon, to let you know that I'm still alive and holding it together, to whatever extent both of those things are true. Stay tuned. I guess. Here's episode two, Forgotten. Unplaced, chapter two, Forgotten. Is this thing on? <laughs> but um, uh, <laughs> but seriously, folks. <laughs> Moving on from bad jokes about bad jokes, they're kind of a nervous coping mechanism of mine. At any rate, uh, here I am with my update on the Twilight Zone episode that is my life now after what seems like forever, but has actually only been a few days. Things are going okay, I guess. The good news is that when nobody can see you, you don't have to worry about paying for groceries. I can walk into a store, any store, get what I want, and walk out. No muss, no fuss. Not that I'm indiscriminately stealing or anything, I'm not a thief. I will admit, I definitely went up to the Neiman Marcus and wandered around looking at expensive handbags for fun, but that was the first time I've been in an apartment store without being conspicuously followed or pestered in about five years or more. But yeah, not paying for groceries is nice. On the other hand, rent was due two weeks ago, and I have no idea how that situation is going to play out. I'm not making money anymore since I appear not to exist as a human being or even a general concept at this point, and incorporeal beings definitely don't get paid for not existing at jobs they don't have. I've tried calling my friends and family, and it just goes into the ether. I get the same message every time, the calm robot lady saying my message can't be delivered. Text messages get no replies, neither do emails, and the last time I tried to log into Facebook it told me that that user didn't exist. If I can get past the fact that it's happening to me, it's actually really interesting. It's not just invisibility, it's like I don't exist, or maybe never existed, it's like a Jedi mind trick, or some kind of distortion field around me, specifically. Like, okay, let's do an example. I'm going to take you to the coffee shop down the block so you can hear for yourself. So I'm standing in the middle of this coffee shop, right? There's at least 30 people in here, in between the baristas, people in line, and the people chilling out drinking their half-calf, no-foam soy lattes. Now, observe. In case you couldn't decipher those noises, I just dropped a coffee mug on the floor and nobody noticed. Everyone just went about their day. Okay, oh, okay, now, a few seconds later, someone saw the broken pieces all over the floor and called an employee, but they didn't actually hear it or see it break, they just noticed a few minutes later that there's a mess to clean up, and then somebody had to deal with it. Hmm. There's probably some kind of metaphor about human interaction there. It's like this with everything. Whether I move or straight up throw it at the wall, angry poltergeist style, it doesn't make a difference. 
I haven't tried hurting people because, you know, I'm, I'm not a jerk, but as far as grabbing an arm or a shoulder or poking somebody in the side, they don't seem to notice at all. And that's about what I've been able to discover so far. I can wander around shops without being bothered, break things, make other people clean them up, and poke people with total impunity. I'm basically a supervillain in the making, is what I'm saying. I just need to start mapping out places, or heists, or creating my freeze ray, or whatever. <sighs> At any rate, as far as I know, nobody has filed a missing persons report either. I've been checking the listings online, waiting for my name to show up, but it hasn't yet. I don't know if that means my friends and family think I'm somewhere else, or if there's some other explanation. If I can make a silly confession, because it feels better to say it out loud, I... I haven't tried to reach out to any of them in person. I don't really think it'll do any good, so I've been putting it off. I've been avoiding even trying, because I just... I don't want to deal with that. I don't know if I can deal with that. I'm, I might as well today, since I'm already out and I've got you here with me. I'll, I'll head to my mom's place, I guess, and let you know when I'm there. Okay, here we are. I'm standing in front of the door, ringing the doorbell. Which is probably futile. Old habits die hard. At least she locked it this time, but she probably hasn't moved the... Nope. Spare key is still there. Okay, I'm in. It, it doesn't look like she's home. I'll, I'll look around anyways. I don't know what I was expecting, maybe a huge post-it that said find out where my daughter is, but it's not here. There's no notes on the fridge, everything is normal, no sign that she's been panicking. And this is weird. All the photos with me in them are, are gone. They're not on the walls, not on the coffee table or the fridge. There's photos of my mom and older ones with her and dad before he got sick, and pictures with my sister in them, but none of the three of us, or or me and mom, or me and dad, just... just... they're gone. There's no trace of me in this house. Oh! Oh, she's home! Mom? Mom! Mom, I'm right here! Please! Please, come on, I'm your daughter, you have to- Mom! Mom, you have to see me! You have to be able to, I'm right here, come on! I know you can see that. <laughs> yeah, I- She- She can't hear me or anything. She can see her stupid porcelain cow, she- She collects them, she loves them, and I- I broke it, and she seems more upset about that than the fact that her daughter has disappeared. <sighs> Whatever. I... I can't.
that went about as well as to be expected. Sorry for kind of losing my shit there. I, I, I doubt you'd do any better. I doubt most people could do any better. Honestly, I'm not worse off. It's just... This is all so surreal. I wonder when it will start feeling real. Anyways, I'm, I'm back at my apartment. I think I'm just gonna... Just gonna turn in. Here we are, home sweet. What the fuck? I swear to, my front door is open. My, some of my stuff is gone. Not all of it, but the couch, the coffee table, they're gone. There's, I, I just cannot with this day. There's a note on my front door that basically says they're gonna come and remove everything over the next two days. Something about squatters. I don't. Jesus, what a shitty day. Wait. <sighs> At least I still have my computer. You can take my, well, my entire existence apparently, but you'll pry YouTube from my cold dead hands and also I kind of need to upload this. Well, dear listeners, whether or not you even exist, I guess this is where I leave you as I try to figure out how much of my shit I can carry around with me and figure out where the hell I'll be sleeping from here on out. Stay tuned for the process of listening to me figure out how I can hold on to whatever tiny piece of my life I'm still allowed to have. Here's episode three, Transient. Unplaced. Chapter three, Transient. There are a lot of downsides to being invisible, but one upside is that I can creep on as many awkward first dates as I want to, and nobody knows. I'm not saying I'm an expert at social interaction by any means, but some of these are just bad. This one bar I've been people watching at, I saw the same two people there twice. And both times, the guy was wearing this raggedy-ass hoodie. Come to think of it, I'm pretty sure he was wearing the exact same outfit both times. I mean, personality counts, but put a little bit of effort in, right? He didn't exactly have it going on in the personality department, either. He kept rambling about his ex and went through about three well whiskeys in an hour. Anyways, here's your regular update from the land of invisibility. I'm... doing... okay. I guess. That whole experience with my mom, that was rough. It's been a few weeks, so it stings a little less. We've had our differences, but obviously I loved her, and I... I don't know. She's not having to deal with the pain of losing a child, I guess, which is good for her, but adds another layer to what I have to deal with. Grieving someone who doesn't even remember you exist is... rough. The apartment is officially not mine anymore, but I was able to salvage some of the really important things. Basically, what I have is what I can carry on me at any given moment, so I have my computer, my phone, some clothes, a few other things. It's like that whole minimalistic backpacker trend, except I'm not doing it because I'm an annoying white guy with an urge to travel. 
I do have a few things, like my wallet out of sheer habit. They're pretty much useless. Nobody asks for ID when they can't see you, and my card stopped working a week or two after all of this started. I did manage to withdraw most of my money before they entirely stopped working, but again, you can't give cash to people who can't see or hear you. Sometimes I leave it at stores when I take things, especially the mom-and-pop stores or indie-type places. Even then, it's always a gamble because there's no guarantee someone working there is going to see the money before some opportunistic bozo does and pockets it. There's also not any guarantee that the person who sees it, who does work there, is actually going to put it back into the business. We never covered this in my Philosophy 101 class. If you can't physically pay the person you should be paying, and the best you can do is leave a few bills lying around, do you have an ethical obligation to do so, or is that just a futile attempt to soothe your own conscience? <laughs> if cash falls in the woods and nobody's around to pick it up, is it still money? <sighs> Who would have known that being invisible would present you with a new existential crisis every day? I mean, probably anyone who thought about it, but I hadn't thought about it. Have you? If you asked me ahead of time, I would have... Okay, honestly, I would have said it wouldn't have bothered me that much. Honestly, I never felt like people really saw me, just their own assumption-filled version of me. In a way, this is having my own metaphorical emo headcanon made literal. People make me nervous. Being around people makes me nervous. Before all of this happened, I mostly just wanted to be left alone to do my job, hang out with my friends, the very few people who don't make me get sweaty palms from just a casual conversation. Maybe meet a nice girl, settle down. I didn't want to be completely invisible, but I didn't want to be hyper-visible either. I just, I just wanted to be left alone to navigate my life with the least amount of confrontation possible. That moment of confrontation has always been my kryptonite. The thing that makes my heart pound. It's, it's probably silly. As a species, we used to fight mammoths or whatever. That's what those responses are supposed to be for. It, it always feels silly, anyways. I know it's a real chemical reaction, but when all you have to do is stand up for yourself or someone else, or just say something, anything, and you can't because you feel your mouth is dry and your throat keeps closing up and your hands are shaking, you feel like a coward. What I used to do when that happened was sneak off, get a moment alone, and talk to myself, record it, and then delete the recording when I calm down. Or sometimes not delete it. Having those audio diaries from times when I felt like nothing was in my control, and being able to look back through them and realize I came out of every situation okay, it was a surprisingly effective security blanket. That's all really off-topic as far as what it's like living in these united, invisible states of America, though. So, let's get back to that, since that's what you listeners are here for. Juicy, supernatural survivalist tips, whatever. Here's what I've learned so far. Tip 1. If nobody can see you, you can crash wherever you want. Staying at a hotel requires a little sneakiness. I had to creep on the staff to see how they code the key cards for each room and copy that. But once you get the hang of it, you can pretty much hole up wherever. I've been camped out in this swanky five-star place, which would probably be better if I could get room service, but it'd definitely be a hell of a lot worse. Tip two, keep a dough bag. The real survivalist nuts out there already know this one. Zombie apocalypse fantasies aside, a dough bag is crucial for when the hotel room you're staying at gets booked and the very baffled maids come in to 
do the room check, only to find a much dirtier room than there should have been. So far, I haven't lost all of my stuff, but I did have to do a real quick scramble the first time it happened. After going through the great apartment purge of 2017, I didn't want to lose the few belongings I do have left. Tip 3. Be careful about where you get your food from. At least, if you have a conscience. After a while of living off pre-made food, or whatever I could cook in hotel kitchenettes, I decided I wanted something fancier and snuck into a restaurant. I mean, I didn't really sneak in, because that would imply I was concerned about people seeing me, which is pretty much a non-issue, but I digress. I went to the kitchen, creeped around until I saw a plate full of food that looked tasty, and snagged it. What I did not think about was the server getting screamed at by the angry person who didn't get their food. When nobody is interacting with you, it's easy to space out on how your actions are going to impact them. That's all the tips I have right now. There aren't all that many actionable takeaways from being an invisible half-ghost person or whatever. Actually, that reminds me. I had a theory that I wanted to test, and since I'm always recording, this is the perfect time to do it. Time for a field trip. When I made that crack about being a half-dosed, it, it reminded me that I wanted to see what an actual psychic would make of this business, so here I am, in a medium's waiting room. I looked this lady up on Yelp, and she's supposedly pretty legit as far as psychics go. The last thing I want to do is freak out some poor, unsuspecting client of hers, so I've just been hanging out until she's client-free, and let's give this a go. She's standing over there behind the counter, scrolling through Instagram. I'm walking up to her. Hey, can you hear me? And yeah, nothing. I'm over here talking to her, waving her hand in her face, all... Yeah, I moved some crystals around on her counter, I poked her on the shoulder, nothing. So much for any extra sensory perception going around these parts. Maybe I'll try another place later, see if they're any better at perceiving the invisible... Ooh. <laughs> Whatever. For now, let's go back to the hotel. Another fruitless experiment going on in my whatever-the-hell-is-going-on series. It's just so frustrating, you know? If I knew what was going on, I think it would be a little easier to cope with. But instead, it's all one big mystery, which is just annoying. I'm glad there seems to be some consistent rules that I can test and figure out, but I wish I knew if this was, like, a magic thing, or a gamma radiation thing, or what. <laughs> gamma radiation, there's a thought. Too bad this doesn't come with superpowers. Oh well. Could be worse. At least I've got a fancy hotel to crash at, and this car is fairly empty, so I won't have to worry about anyone trying to walk through me again. Next station is Broad. Broad. An upgrade in living accommodations might be an upside to this whole scenario, but the public transportation experience leaves a lot to be desired. I guess it's just... Wait, what the... This guy just got on, and he's... There's this thing on him. It's all over his back, it's on his shoulders, it's... I think it's stuck in his head. Hold on, I'm gonna get closer. Sir? 
Hello? Yeah, I mean, of course you can't hear me, but I thought you might want to know. You've got a freaking brain leech stuck on the back of your head getting a free ride. Maybe if I... Oh, shit. The thing, it's... It's moving. Oh my god, I think it... I think it didn't see me. Holy fuck! Thank you for listening to Unplaced. If you're liking it so far, we'd love it if you left a rating and a review on iTunes or shared it with a friend. It means a lot, especially in the early days. And if you're really into it, we'd love it if you gave us a nomination for the 2017 Discover Pods Awards at bit.ly slash discoverpods. The link to that is also in the show description. You can find us at Unplaced Podcast on Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram, or at unplacedpodcast.com. The narrator is Cole Burkhart. You can find them on Twitter at King Cole Minor or on their actual play podcast, Blue Dawn. The writer and creator is me, Michelle Nicolaisen. You can find me on Twitter at underscore shellshock, C-H-E-L-L-E-S-H-O-C-K. And you can find a rundown of my other projects at michellenicolaisen.com. The link to that is also in the show description because I know how my last name is. Audio editing, sound design, and music are all by Brendan Hutchins from Podcast Advocate. You can find him on Twitter at Podcast Advocate or at podcastplayl.ist slash advocate. The link for that is, you guessed it, also in the show description. The next episode drops on November 10th. We'll see you soon. What does it mean to be unplaced? What does the protagonist's situation suggest to you? If you feel or have ever felt dispossessed, does this metaphor ring true to you? Let us know online. I'm always down to hear your opinions. We're at Radiodrama on Twitter. You can support Unplaced and Michelle Nicolaisen by going to patreon.com slash shellshockstudios. That's shell as in C-H-E-L-L-E, like Michelle. Support their work with your hot dollars, because uh, here is what else they're working on. One, the dieselpunk actual play podcast, Serendipity City. Two, season two of Unplaced, which is coming out very shortly. And three, Michelle's urban fantasy book series, World Slip. As well as a bunch of other tantalizing projects that you'll just have to see for yourself. That's patreon.com slash shellshockstudios. And now, it's time for some credits. Our theme music is Danger Digidoo by DJ Stranger Danger. You can find his music on SoundCloud. Our line producer is Matthew Boudreaux. Our interviews producer is Eli McElvey. Our researchers are Heather Cohen and Monique Boudreaux. Our executive producer is Fred Greenhouse. I'm your host, David Reinstrom, and this has been Radio Drama Revival. All storytellers welcome. Here is a story just in time for Passover and Easter. So, prior to the institution of the Gregorian calendar in 1582, it was always a real struggle for the Vatican to determine exactly when Easter was meant to fall. So in the early 16th century, the method was actually pretty simple to see when the Jews of Venice held Passover. Passover was pretty easy to determine mathematically. All the calendrical reforms had happened a long time prior in Judaism. We'd figured out our own kind of arcane ways of determining what day it was. Spoiler alert, the Hebrew calendar involves the occasional leap month, don't ask. But this also coincided with a period of great and terrible anti-Semitism in Europe, and the Holy See could not be seen consorting with Jews. So, every spring, the head rabbi of Venice made the slow overland journey south from Venice to Rome to 
inform the Pope. Passover's coming, get ready. It was about a week's travel on foot, faster by wagon, but as soon as he entered the Vatican City, the rabbi would have to disguise himself because, again, he couldn't be seen talking to His Holiness the Pope. It would mean death for him and dishonor for the Bishop of Rome. So he put on a disguise. He dressed up like an animal, in fact, a rabbit, and he made his way to see the Pope. Year after year, he did this until it became a traditional procession, a line of bunnies on their way to meet with the Pope. And that's why you see so many bunnies at this time of year, because of the Easter rabbi. <laughs> April Fool's, sorry, all that's bullshit. Uh, bunnies are an ancient fertility symbol. But credit for that gag goes to Anita Grossman, who deadpanned that at a bunch of goggle-eyed divinity students at the University of Chicago in, like, 1987. Anyway, happy spring holidays. Bye. Bye.